Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Fiction. Science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word on KCB 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Now, today we've got uh, a guest all the way from the UK, um, and he's written a lot of great books, and so we're going to talk to him. Uh, Robert Innes, thank you for being here. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Robert. So, where did it start for you? <laughs> now, uh, I mean, I don't mean the well, birth and the mother and all that, but I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, where did your sunny father meet? Sunny days of 1987. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I think, well, I, I think I've always sort of enjoyed writing stories and sort of, uh, even, you know, back at school, I think it was my favourite thing to do rather than sit in an algebra class. I was, you know, sort of doodling away and... Uh, not really paying much attention and just writing about characters and stuff. But it only became, I only realised that I really sort of wanted to do writing as a career uh, when I was at university. Um, you know, up to then I'd kind of wanted to be an actor um, and then sort of started writing uh, a script based on all the people that I was living with uh, that I'd hoped to turn into a big drama series and sort of developed this passion for sort of characters and all of that sort of thing. Um, and then in the meantime, you know, doing what any kind of student is doing. I was sort of, you know, doing working in a shop and doing all that sort of thing and realising how miserable I was doing it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, started talking to a guy called Ashley McLaughlin, who, if anybody uh, is famous, is if anybody uh, is a reader of the cosy mystery world, you'll know him better as Agatha Frost. Um, oh. yeah, and, you know, he started talking to me and we started communicating. He helped me kind of... Uh, build my career up and stuff, and I ended up writing the first book in the Blake Hart series, Untouchable, and it sort of went from there, and I was able to become self-employed from it, and it all sort of took off from there, really. 
Hmm. Did you worry about um, uh, being a good writer? And I mean I w- that, and I mean that in the sense, like how how I mean this is, uh, were you concentrating on the words you used and your grammar and how you put together um, uh, an actual book, or were you more focused on the subject? Um, did I think you'll find it still do worry about that sort of thing? <laughs> um, it's I, I mean yeah I, I mean I think that what you tend to discover when you write your first one is how little you actually know about sort of the pros and the format of it all. You know, it's, you're sending it to uh, someone to kind of read through. You realise kind of how many grammatical mistakes you make without realising it. You know, and there's rules of grammar that you don't know about until you start doing this sort of thing. Um, you know, kind of like page format and commas and all of that sort of thing. So you have to sort of pick things up quite quickly um, as you kind of as you kind of go along. But it didn't. R- I think I was just more concerned with making good story more than anything. You know, I knew when I I remember saying to um, somebody when they were sending me notes back, I'm not bothered if you know you come back with notes that are absolutely littered with you know punctuation and grammar and all that sort of thing that's absolutely fine but as long as you enjoy the story then i know at least i've done that part right you know the grammar stuff i can sort of learn mm-hmm. um and it seemed to go all right um and then and and then yeah I, I, I think you know it's that sort of thing you can learn um but you know as long as you've got the story there i think you, you can you've got a good basis to start off yeah yeah do you do you, um your characters, like Blake Hart, uh, and and uh, these characters, do you take them after people you actually know, or people that are around you? And uh, if so, what? How do you choose them? Um, well, I think that a lot of writers will tell you that um, at least one of the characters in their books is based on either themselves in some respect or someone they know. I think I, th- I think especially when I first started writing it. Um, I think the first, the two main characters, Blake and Harrison, they were sort of split into who I actually was at the time and who I wanted to be. So I decided to see Blake as this sort of very much capable person who was a natural leader who could, you know, put all this stuff together in his head. And I think everybody deep down would love to be that sort of person that, you know, that you kind of follow throughout the book and just know that he will solve anything that kind of comes his way but then of course you've got Harrison on the other hand who at the very at the beginning was very much more of an anxious person very sort of uh, secluded and I think there's a little bit of a mixture of both of us in that sort of thing so Blake's sort of the dream person of who I'd want to be and Harrison probably more of a uh, more realistic as to what I actually was at the time but um, but yeah I think that people that you meet they, the right people will sort of stay in your head without you realising them and then when you need a character, you'll remember that person and then they'll suddenly appear on the page. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was J.D. Horn that we interviewed that said that uh, if you end up in his book, he really doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've murdered a few people in my books before. It's quite a satisfying feeling. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Hopefully I'm not in there yet. Um, no, not yet, no. Not yet, no. but after, after this interview, I'll be there. <laughs> Yeah, the next book I, if I write is about a podcast interviewer dying horribly, then you'll know that you've annoyed <laughs> yeah. me. But I think so far you're okay. Stabbed and burned mm. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. That's the way to go. It really is. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, how do you come up with the, with the stories? But like, So when you're doing a mystery, um, 
and and um, some sort of crime or something going on. Where does that come from? Like, where, do you just have a dream? And or you, you? Yeah, I wish there was some sort of deep answer I could give you to that. But sometimes it just sort of lands in your head. It's like any idea, you know. It's kind of like it's it's. Sometimes it, you know, you, you have to sit and think about it and really kind of forage for your brain to sort of put stuff together. And then sometimes it just sort of lands in your head. It sounds so pretentious to say it, but, I, you know, I kind of see it as, you know, like any kind of artist or creative person, you know, how do they, you know, how does a painter get to know what to draw and how to put the colours together? It's just sort of, I, I wish I could give you some sort of definitive answer, but sometimes they just sort of land in your head. Sometimes it'll be an experience that you kind of think about and you kind of twist around a little bit to make a, into a story. I mean, the impossible crime genre is something that I never really thought I was, I was capable of doing. I was a massive fan of um, Jonathan Creek growing up, um, which obviously is based all around the impossible crime genre. Um, and I, you know, I love the the process of not just looking at who done it but how done it i think it's just a fascinating um way of looking at mysteries um so once you kind of get yourself into that sort of corner you you need to really kind of open your brain as to other aspects of the case you know trying to make something look impossible whilst coming up with a satisfying answer so i think it's it, it sometimes it happens organically and sometimes I have to really sit there for weeks and try and think of something that seems reasonable and it has a satisfying ending to it. So it's, it varies. What are your influences then? Like what, what is it that, uh, you draw from like other writers or is it, uh, movies or Netflix or is it, um, shopping, yeah, I mean, I... shopping? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I, I, I do tend to kind of base a lot of my um, style, I suppose, if you like, around uh, TV shows that I watch. Because I always see, I always, cause I, because actually what I've always wanted to be is a screenwriter. I'd love to um, kind of have my own TV series or write for a TV series in some way. So whenever I write, I always sort of write anything with it being in mind for television. So... You know, the first episode of the Blake Hart mysteries, I was sort of, I say, even calling it an episode now, I sort of um, was looking at it visually and how it would look on TV and then sort of writing it in book form. Um, so, I, you know, so I'd say people like David Renwick, who did Jonathan Creek, Stephen Moffat, um, who, uh, one of the writers of Sherlock, and, you know, all those sorts of great mystery TV writers, you know, and I watch lots of crime drama, and uh, it's, I just, I, I just think people like, crime i think they like murder i think it, you know it's a it's one of the darkest things that you can do to another human and yet you can do murder in so many light ways it's a, it's quite a strange thing um that so many people enjoy reading about what is one of the worst things that can happen to, to a human being but it's it's just just the way it is um can i ask you about that because i please that, do that's, that's interesting i mean like so I've read three of the Blake Hart mysteries. I've read the first three, and I, I you know, loved them, and I recommended them. Oh, thank you. And I did. And they're very, I mean, I do think they, to me, I would call them cozy. Like, is that fair? Would you call them? Um, well, apparently, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I've been told by people who are uh, very up-to-date with their cozy fiction that apparently they're not. I don't okay. know why. No, apparently, actually, I do know why. Apparently because uh, because it's all about a police detective. Oh, and well, very, I see. Uh, Apparently okay. that's the thing that stops it from being cozy. If okay. Blake 
was uh, sort of an old lady who was knitting and making cakes, <laughs> uh, that would be cosy, apparently. And, it's okay. all, and, it, and some of the subjects that I deal with aren't really sort of the sort of thing that kind of appear in cosy, apparently. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. It's kind of got that... Not, everything apart from that, you know, the village atmosphere is a very cosy sort of thing to do. Um, and, you know, even kind of the short, the sort of novella form of it is quite cosy. Um, I mean, the thing that... And I would say that they end with a resolution, right? Where, like, the yeah. crime is punished and the bad people are actually bad. And, sure, yeah. Um, so, like, Chan, like Raymond Chandler says that, like, people enjoy the crime genre because it imagines, like, a moral universe, right? Like, where bad people always uh, yeah, get what's yeah. coming to them. I mean, do you think that's why people like crime fiction? Do you think that's why they like your books? I mean, I maybe. I think it's. I think. I think he's probably right there. I think a lot of crime stories, like you say, they sort of have that sort of circular format to them. So you start at the beginning where all these horrible things are happening, and by the end of it, the bad people have been punished, mm-hmm. and the good guys have worked it out, and everyone lives happily ever after that hasn't been murdered or thrown in prison. You know, I think. It, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I think it's it, it's it's a nice sort of reliable format. Mm-hmm. Well, that's too bad. Don't your don't your criminals get away? Uh, <laughs> I don't. I have any of my criminals got away? I don't think so yet. Although now maybe they will. <laughs> no, no, don't. Well, come, oh, come on, have some uh, have some intrigue. You know, have that great criminal killer keep getting away and uh that's sort of a moriarty role sort of thing but eventually have they eventually they have got to be found out eventually surely haven't haven't they or do you think that it's sort of kind of the longer the series goes on the longer this sort of villain gets away with it (laughs) yeah or you could discover who they are and then develop that through through time right but uh yeah uh, yeah you know uh, it'd be fun but that's just me i'm i'm morbid i'm i'm well you you I'm morbid. I'm morbid. You sound like you've got like Dexter. Apparently, that's got. I haven't seen that, but apparently, that's kind of got a serial killer as its main character. So yeah, um, it's, it's a good show. That, yeah, that's gone on for years. So I'm sure you know yeah. <laughs> that well, format does exist. I, I mean, well, it went too long. If, if, if you have these stories, right? Doesn't there have to be? I, and I think, I mean, the Blake Hart mysteries certainly do this. But like, even in, I'm trying to think of like real dark. And certainly in Dexter, like the there's a bad guy and then there's a worse guy, right? And the worse guy, yeah, the worse guy. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I don't. I guess I wonder how many people want to read about a world as bad as the real world. You know, like there are not I, real people think, to get away with. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, it's also a form of escapism, isn't it? You know, no matter how bad your life is, there's probably a crime book out there featuring characters that are having a much worse time than you are. Right. Yeah, yeah, but I sort of I I don't I don't like to have the resolve in a book, personally. Yeah. Uh, because it's just like uh, if you read a romance, which I never do anyway. But you know. <laughs> me neither. It's far no. too cozy for me. Yeah, there's something, and and you just don't want it to be happily ever after. I don't because it's not real, and I think I'm too old right. now to, to, um, look at it that way because if it's a real story if it's a real type of of crime and story and passion and all this stuff you know it's not all going to be perfect no it's it no it's true but i think that's kind of what sort of appeals especially in the short kind of novella form you know i think people kind of go to it for a sort of escapism for a couple of hours and then they can go back to their lives you know you put the book down and that's all fine and dandy um 
I, yeah, I, I do quite like the idea of doing a series where it sort of just continues all the way through, but I think it would uh, it has to be a quite different format to what I've been used to recently. Yeah, it's something you have to work into, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but, but that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, do, you, do you so? Do you think you're going to be doing writing for the rest of your life, type thing? Or are you going to you going to carry this on? Well, I hope so. I mean, it's it's. It's 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 been a few. When did I release the first one? Two thousand and sixteen, I think the first one came out. Um, so it's been going for a while, uh, and I'm just about. To, and I'm just writing the eleventh, I think, in this series at the moment. Um, so it's yeah, I'd I'd like it to continue as long as I can. And obviously, like I said, you know, with screenwriting, I'd love to have Blake on the uh, on the TV at some point. But I think that's sort of that's very much kind of whether luck falls my way or not. Well, you could have me play Blake. If you like, yeah. I don't see why not. Can you do a can you do a British accent? Not really. <laughs> no, but I could work. I could practice. Yeah, that's, 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 this is a great audition. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no, actually, do you think um, there's a difference when you see uh, British crime crime fiction compared to American? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I. Yes, but it's difficult to kind of explain why. I think that if you, I think there's a difference between. I don't know if you guys are aware of a show called Midsummer Murders that airs over uh, airs over here. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of the quintessential everything that you think of when you think of a British murder mystery is Midsummer Murders. You know, it's it's. I think that the star of it, John Nettles, once said that it was fairy cakes and bloodletting. You know, just very specifically Midsummer Murders. You know, just that very sort of almost cozy in itself, apart from the police people. But then, of course, when you get when you think of something like, you know, L.A. Law or something like that, you know, you've got all your FBI people and lots of blue flashing lights and city murders and all that sort of thing. I think American crime drama tends to be a lot bigger and right. sort of. And it tends to go on for years and years and years. You've got so many American crime dramas, haven't you? Well, there's um, so many American got, got, crimes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but then you've got just as many over here, I suppose. But yeah, I think it's. I think. I think. I, think, I don't know. It tends to. I think the, U, the US ones maybe are a bit grittier, but then there's lots of UK gritty ones as well. So I think the differences are there, but I think it, it's, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Mm. Well, I think there's a real mannerism that comes with um, British mysteries. There's also sort of. But not written rules. Um, the way people treat each other um, mm. in the UK crimes, there seems to be more of a. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's almost a way people talk and act around others um, in these crimes that you won't see those types of behaviors in the US. It's kind of a free for all in America. Yeah. It's interesting there. I don't know if either of you have watched this. Uh, it's an older comedy show called Reno 911. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. I'm not familiar with that, no. Well, they have this episode where episode where uh, Officer Smiley comes over, and he's, of course, like this uh, English uh, police officer who, you know, he's just so friendly and charming. And then as soon as they're out on patrol, he turns out to be, like, far more brutal than the American officers. And he's, Fantastic. you know, just... Just, like, horribly, like, corrupt and all these other things. And it was just a fun, it's just a fun play on this perception, I think, of, you know, the UK. <laughs> and that, and especially, like, yeah, we had a, we had a show presented over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a show, uh, uh, 
over here fairly recently, uh, which features sort of the other way around, like an American uh, cop coming uh, to film in, a, in the town that I live in, actually. Um, oh, wow. I can't remember what it's called, remember what it's called now, off the top of my head. Uh, but it, yeah, and it featured that sort of thing, you know, sort of an American cop who's very much used to sort of doing everything that American cops do, coming to sort of this quiet mm. English town. And sort of trying to adapt to the uh, the way that we do things over here, as opposed to the way that he's used to, which is quite yeah. And I think I, you're right; it's an interesting sort of comparison to see the, how the two kind of blend together. And and I think just I think there's a lot of stereotypes that can be undermined. You know, like there's a lot of uh, yes. over typing of the yeah of those expectations. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think you sort of see your American cop as sort of standing in the shadows with a, with a cigarette hanging between the teeth, sort of <laughs> staring at the scene beneath, uh, uh, you know, before them, and the, the English cop is sat there with a cup of tea and, you know, and sort of trying to work it out very politely. Um, Blake's got his uh, e-cig, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what? Everything that Blake does with his e-cig is so very based on me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I've been trying to quit smoking for so long, and an e-cig is basically the only way that I can to kind of get off the cig- get off the cigarette. Um, so whenever you see Blake kind of have an s- internal struggle with a cigarette or, or, or his vape, that's very much just me at that moment stressing oh, about the book, right. thinking yeah. I need a cigarette, but no, I've only got my vape, so I just throw it in the book instead. <laughs> <laughs> Electronic fag. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to avoid that word because you don't. <clears throat> well, we it's can a different word that. over there, isn't it? <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, you know. It's it's all free. Um, oh, please do. <laughs> so, please do. Yeah. COVID. COVID-19. How does that affect yeah. you and your writing? Has this put a dark cloud on your mind? Yes. Yes. Frankly, yes. Good. Um, I can actually reveal... Uh, reveal? Who do I think I am? But I can reveal <laughs> uh, the book I'm writing at the moment, uh, the next Blake uh, story, which I can say is called Dollhouse. Ooh. Uh, um is based now it, it's very much uh, the lockdown is happening the pandemic is happening in the world it's not massively it doesn't massively affect the plot or anything like that but it's there in the background and i sat and thought about whether that was a good idea or not for so long and then realized that i had been so blocked mentally of how to create a you know a, which happens to all writers i suppose but I was kind of just sat there thinking, I don't know, I've forgotten how to write. I've forgotten how to make a story happen. And mm. then my son is trying to think about why that was happening and realise it's because I've been sort of locked indoors for, for the past nine years or however long it's been going on for now. <laughs> um, Someone told you a story nine years ago because it yeah. just happened a few months, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sort of thought, well, you know, how would the characters that I've been writing about de- be dealing with this? Um, and it sort of kind of led from there the story that I'm writing at the moment. So, and I know a lot of people might kind of hear that and think, "Oh God, I don't want to read about that." It, it's ev- it's everywhere at the moment. I want escapism, and I understand that completely. I really do. But I'm also of the kind of viewpoint that there is absolutely no point in hiding from this thing. It is everywhere. Right. We know it's happening, um, and not talking about it isn't going to make it go away. So. You know, and I'm not planning on making it a, a factor in future books. This will be the only one that it happens in. Um, but I think, I, for me personally, I just need to get it out of my brain. And I think that it's the only way that I could kind of make it happen and sort of make it work whilst I'm, 
whilst 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 we're all sort of trapped in this sort of uh, situation. I heard it was a hoax. <laughs> it might be a hoax. Yeah, it's a really funny, really funny joke. Rob, um, with the Blake Hart, so I, when I read the summary of 10, I, for some reason, thought that meant it was the last book, because it's kind of his story um, coming full circle, right? Yeah, it was kind of supposed to be, and then okay. I kind of thought... <laughs> so um, what, do you have well, you know, it's, What's your plan? Um, no, God, no. I just think that I, yeah, 10 came around, and I was really, really happy to have come up with 10 Impossible Crimes, so I can't remember who yeah. said it, but somebody said... I was reading. I was reading an article, and somebody said that was talking about the impossible crime genre. And somebody said that you can most writers who attempt to go into impossible crime can come up with maybe three, oh, wow. and then they're completely out of ideas. And I'm just, you know, and I'm, and I'm in the process of writing my eleventh, which isn't supposed to sound boastful, but it's something I'm incredibly proud of because I love yeah. the genre. Yeah. Um, and you know, and the tenth one is novel sized as well. So in all fairness it, it could quite happily end at the end of the tenth one but you know i didn't kill any of the main characters off mm -hmm. so i think why not carry it on you know yeah. if i could think of a, if i could think of a good enough story um you know people enjoy reading them and i enjoy writing them when i've got a good plot in my head so it's <laughs> i don't enjoy writing it when i haven't got a good plot in my head that's a completely <laughs> different thing but uh, which you know maybe some people will argue that i've never had a good plot in my head but it's um it's 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 enjoyable to write, and I, you know, as, as long as I can think of stories to go with them, you know, because it's been a big part of my life for the past four years. So, right. you know, I'd I mean, I would like to write other things as well, but <clears throat> you know, I think it's just a case of planning a series out and starting a new thing. So while I've got this series ready yeah. to go, sort of thing, keep them going as long as I can. Absolutely, yeah. And and research. What kind of research do you put in, and, and, and where, do, where do you go for research? My Google search history would get me thrown to prison for years. <laughs> I, well, we're not uh, talking you know. about the porn sites. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Although, well, no. But, you know, it's trying to research things like, you know, the amount of times I've typed in the words, does that come up in an autopsy? You know, I think it uh, <laughs> several uh, <laughs> things that would raise eyebrows. But yeah, no, a lot of it is you know sort of research you would do on the internet. I'm quite fortunate in the respect that I uh, my mum is a a nurse, mm -hmm. so medical stuff it's very helpful to kind of ask her about. You know, would a spanner around the side of your head actually kill you, or would it sort of wound you, or do you know all those sorts oh, of questions? Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and I. I I've got a few, kind of a lot of family members in the sort of emergency services, uh, so it's quite helpful to sort of ask the odd, you know, ask around. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is sort of going on Google and sort of just typing in awkward questions and, and seeing what comes up, <laughs> and just hoping that I don't click on images because some of it is just really quite weird. Um, but I think that's just the uh, that's the joy of doing crime. I think you have to uh, ask some odd questions into a search engine to get answers that sort of a realistic yeah well it's better than calling the police and asking them <laughs> yeah i think so although maybe i might try that one day yeah. i might get a more honest answer well you just never know you might also no. to get, get arrested <laughs> exactly so that could be fun too does it does it ever it do, yeah it, it does it ever bring you down um when you get into dark subjects um, no, not really. And I have to say, I do, there's a, there's a side of me that sort of enjoys writing about that sort of thing. 
you know, uh, as much as you know, we were talking about it being escapism for the reader, it sometimes kind of feels like escapism to me as well. You know, it's uh, you know, there's I, I, I'm you know, in the Blake Hart series, there have been quite a, but there's been a couple of quite dark topics that I've covered, um, and I've I've always I'm always the view. You know, I never try I try never to get you know too overly gory or anything like that, but I if there's a topic that kind of fits into the story that I'm writing, I try not to sh- kind of shy away from it. You know, I'm not writing cosy, so if I want to write something a little bit darker, I've kind of, I've kind of got that freedom to do that. Um, but no, I wouldn't say it ever brings me down, per se. Hmm. Yeah, do you ever think of crossing into the true crime area? Well, to be fair, true crime is, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've had a look online at true crime stories and sort of taken a few little bits and pieces from stories. I can't think of any at the moment, but, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I think when I was uh, first starting out, I sort of optimistically typed into Google true impossible crime stories, you know, things that had actually happened <laughs> that uh, yeah, I could kind yeah. of pinch and turn to real things. You'd be amazed at how selfish killers are that they haven't done many impossible crimes in real life it's really quite <laughs> really quite inconsiderate but i can't just pinch their work and turn it into a fiction but um you better start writing to some of them in prison and tell them look yeah you know how hard is it to try and kill someone in a locked room i mean come on people use your imagination <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, think about things don't yeah don't, yeah that's just crazy well, uh, you know, so this, now this last book of yours, the last um, Blake um, at Hart, I was going to Yes. The last Blake Hart thing, was that came out about a year ago. So now, are, yeah. are you doing another one now or something else? Yes, writing a new, I'm writing a new Blake story at the moment it's, uh, called Dollhouse. I'll uh, be releasing the, the cover in the next few days. Um, and it sort of concerns... How can I say this without spoiling it too much? It it, it concerns uh, a uh, a woman that lives on her own uh, in the middle of the uh, in the middle of a lockdown. So she's because she's an older lady, uh, she's very much sort of in the vulnerable category. Um, so she's very self isolated, and there is a uh, there is a doll in the house, and this lady will possibly meet a gruesome end <laughs> and it may possibly look as though the doll has done it oh. who knows who knows um oh. no, but, uh but you know was it the doll maybe it was the doll maybe it wasn't the doll you'll have to uh have to read it when it comes out to see whether it was a doll or not or whether blake takes uh, barbie to prison but um <laughs> sounds, it sounds like my life well, uh, do, you, do you have a scary doll in your life? I, I, I'm an isolated old lady with a scary doll in my house. <laughs> lockdown. I'm not dead yeah. yet, but you... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No. Um, yes. 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 I, I, keep, I'd keep an eye on that doll if I were you. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to tie it down. Yes, but um, but yeah, the the end of the tenth story kind of yeah it it gave itself to maybe continuing, maybe ending there. So I kind of went down the maybe continuing route. Mm. Now, um, do you have a purpose in in uh, when you write a book? Do do you hope that people that read that book um, come away with something other than the story itself? Is there something you want them to get out of your book? Um, um, well, I think it, I think it very sort, sort of depends on the uh, depends on the story that I've written. There's been a couple of things over the series that I've kind of thrown in there that you know, hopefully, uh, people. You know, I, I've kind of discussed mental health a couple of times, and I always think it's very important to uh, discuss mental health with anybody, uh, really, because one in four of us will always be affected by some sort of mental health problem throughout our lives. Um, and talking is one of the most important ways to get through that. So I've sort of maybe tried to, especially you know, in Har- in the character of Harrison, especially early on, he was um, sort of quite damaged by what had happened to him. Um, you know, and, and then Blake later on sort of starts to suffer from starts to suffer from some things. And the problem with um, with Blake is that he's a very sort of uh, he's not as open with his emotions as Harrison possibly might be. So it's, which I think is a, a lot of men's problem uh, when it comes to mental health. You know, we don't really like to discuss about sissies and sissy things like feelings and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, it's it's that sort of thing that I kind of like to pro- like to maybe get off cross to readers. Um, 
but apart from that, you know, I think the, the thing is about within the Bella form, you know, you kind of throw in as much as you can, but you're maybe sort of limited as to what you can you can do with certain stories within that page limit. So, but then you know, there's no rules that say that it always has to be that. So if a plot comes along that I think of that I think can be a good message to readers, I will throw it in there. Um, but I don't tend to sort of write a story thinking, right, I'm going to talk about the National Health Service in the story. You know, it's it's a sort of it's, it just sort of happens organically, really. Wow. Do you, um, I notice that you do a, a lot of self-publishing as well. Um, do, do you yeah, like, it's the only one, yeah. It's, yeah, like it's all better? I've done so far. Do you like um, it better? Or? I think it's easier. I think it's a, it's a way for um, writers to um, get themselves noticed. You know, about you know, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't available to anybody. You know, you had to be sort of professionally published. Whereas self being self-published means anybody can do it, um, as long as you've got everything that you need and you can write a story and you can get yourself. I mean, Amazon even gives you, kind of has a service where you can get your own book covers and all of that sort of thing. So it's possible for anybody to release a book now, which I think is fantastic. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be doing this now if it wasn't for being self-published. So I'm all for it. How many books have you published now? Uh, I've released 10 Blake stories and then there was two that I did in another series called The Golden Silver Mysteries which didn't really take off but I did two of them so this will be my 13th book that I'm writing at the moment Wow, look at you just wow. just go I mean this is the, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're it never happens quick enough it never happens quick enough though <laughs> <laughs> So how long does it take you to write one of these books then? Oh God knows. I mean, it's sort of sometimes if I can sit down and concentrate and focus on it, uh, I can I can do one in a few, in a few weeks. Sometimes if it's a hard thing for me to write about, you know, whether my brain's not in it or whether a writer's block is plaguing me or something like that, it can take it can take months. Um, it it just it just sort of depends on it, it, it varies it varies. But I'd say from a few weeks to a few months. Do you follow like a schedule or routine when you're writing? Like, <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish I was capable <laughs> of that. I really do. Um, I try. I try desperately to try and do that, but it doesn't always work out that way. You know, you sort of plan over the weekend. You know, it's Saturday, right? Monday morning, I'm going to get up at 9 a.m. and I'm going to write lots and lots of words, <laughs> and it's all going to be fantastic. And I'm going to finish the day with a cup of tea, and it's all going to be ace. You know, and. <laughs> 1 p.m. comes along on a Monday and I'm sort of playing solitaire on the laptop. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's that sort. Of, it it never works out that way, unfortunately. Yeah, I understand that. Totally understand that. Procrastination so, is a uh, is an evil is an evil mistress. <laughs> awful stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you must you uh, how do you how do you get react to all the fans? Um, I mean, the majority of people that I've kind of communicated with about the books have been absolutely lovely. What I found really interesting when I first started it, because it's, um, it, I mean, the books are mystery, but they're also uh, they're also categorised under LGBT because the two main characters are gay. Um, and what I found really interesting when I started was that you know you you put it under LGBT mystery, which is what the uh, the stories kind of come under, and you'll you get a lot of people that are very that are there for both sides of it, um, and then you get some people that are there purely for the LGBT side of it, and I will have reviews asking me where the sex is, uh, <laughs> which to me yeah. is utterly bizarre. 
you know, I as you know, as if they read they're reading gay fiction purely for the sex. And I am living proof. I can tell you that not all gay people are sex mad people all all of the time. It's not something that um, sort of litters litters their lives at all times. Um, but it was interesting to me that 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 was sort of the kind of thing that came along with having gay characters at the uh, the forefront. Because actually, what I wanted to do was have. I wanted to write a mystery series that happened to have a gay person at its central. You know, it's just because, why not? You know, the, it, it doesn't have to be wall-to-wall, um, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be wall-to-wall gay sex for it to be, uh, for, it, for it to sort of justify a gay character being in there. Um, and that's very much kind of what I wanted to do with this series. And a lot of, and I've had very kind reviews from people saying that it's nice to see that you know that the lead character happens to be gay and that it's it's irrelevant really to the main mystery which is kind of what i was going for um but yeah and a lot a lot of people i've spoken to have been very kind very lovely um you know the series has its fans which is amazing to me you know you never think when i first started i was happy if I, when i hit my first 10 sales you know i felt like jk rowling after that was <laughs> 10 sales. um and now you know here i am writing books 125 or whatever it is now and <laughs> it's and it's going and it's and and most of them are still there which is lovely yeah yeah no i guess it would be a natural evolution but of gay characters to come out of just being um in a bathhouse or cruising you know and that sort of yeah uh, yeah know, exactly i mean that's that's going to take time society takes a while to catch up you know they just expect that um, yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't get a lot of. I mean, you know, I don't. I, I don't read as much as I should, admittedly, criminally. But you know, it, you don't tend to see a lot of gay people at the forefront of mysteries, you know, unless it's been written specifically for that purpose. Um, you know, you've got there's there's plenty of kind of uh, gay mysteries out there with the front cover of a sort of six pack policeman on the front cover staring yeah. smoulderingly at the camera, yeah, um, yeah. and that wasn't. <laughs> We that's were just... really what I wanted to go for. Well, that's you know, that's my own yeah. personal private collection of thoughts. You know, I don't <laughs> tend to write about that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's a great. I think the the last show that we had done together, we talked about that because some of yeah. the covers were. I, I frankly don't like them. They're very. Um, well, they're there for a pur- They're there yeah. for a purpose. You yeah. know, a lo- you know, and they're there for a very specific type of audience. And I wouldn't criticise that type of audience because if, if there's an audience for it, then why wouldn't you write a book about it? You know, it's it's you know, writing. It's very much. You know, it's very nice to sit here and say, yes, I'm a writer and I have an artistic leaning, and I love the people who follow my artistic leaning. Whilst at the same time, this is my job, and I want to make money from it right. because otherwise, you know, there's no point in me doing it. You know, if nobody's reading it, then I'm doing it wrong. And there is a huge, um, and you know, and I've been advised by people to sort of go down that line as well. It, it, it's just not for me. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to construct a story like that. But that's not a criticism of the people that do write those stories, or the people that read those sorts of stories. But you know, I looked at that and thought, well, that's one way of doing it, and then I'll try my way of doing it, and it's worked okay for me. Yeah, well, if it hasn't got hasn't got pictures. What's the point? <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. You know. Well, but... I think. Oh, I'm sorry. No, keep going. I just, you know, one thing, Rob. Now that you bring this up, I mean, this is a topic that I was just reading people posting about this back and forth today on Facebook. You know, there's always a little bit of a dust up about this topic, and yeah. you know, one of the, I think, I guess the concern that I take away from it is, 
Uh, and I will say that my books are, you know, have a heavy kind of secondary romance subplot in them. And some of them have sex, but not all of them. I guess my concern is always in any genre with a book that fetishizes or like dehumanizes people and Absolutely. uses them as objects, right? Where the, in, in some cases, I think it is very disheartening to see um, that treatment of gay men. And, and that it's, is worrisome to me. I, I completely agree. I mean, to me, um, you know, it's very prevalent, actually, in a lot of um, British soap operas at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got a... Um, it, all, I think all the soaps at some point have had that sort of gay couple at the forefront, you know, both very anguished and sort mm-hmm. of going through their issues and all that sort of thing, and they'll have mm-hmm. fans that are, you know, absolutely obsessed with them, you mm-hmm. know, and there are gifts that are over the internet, there are memes everywhere, mm-hmm. there are there are fan art and all of this sort of thing, mm-hmm. and, you know, these, pe- and these, these characters are absolutely idolised, no matter what these characters might do, Right, you know, and I remember. Uh, um, I don't know if you guys, guys will have heard of it. There's a soap opera over here called Hollyoaks, uh, and they were doing a a storyline uh, about uh, gay domestic abuse, mm. um, and it was just bizarre because domestic abuse is one of the worst things that can happen. It, the worst thing that can happen in a relationship is horrific. Right, um, and just the way that they, the way that the fans were reacting to it was sort of very. Like, you know, I think it, what the characters, Brendan and Stee, and, you know, Brendan is just so, um, he has so much inner conflict about his sexuality that he loves Stee so much and he's just mm-hmm. taking it out on him. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful to watch and so sad to watch. It's like, no, uh-huh. you're, lo- you're talking about a violent relationship. There's no sort yeah. of, you know, it, it, you look at these characters in an almost pornographic type of way and that's right. not the story that people are trying to tell. Right. I think that, yes, you know, gay people have come a long way in quite a short period of time, um, but there's two extremes to it. You know, you've got that sort of people that will idolise anything that a gay character can possibly do, and then the other side, obviously, is the less pleasant side, um, you know, where bigotry still exists. But it's, right. it's, you know, I've always tried to kind of settle along that middle ground of these people exist and they have a normal life and they are normal people and this is what these stories are about. Right. Yeah, and it's it's true. Do you find that um, you know uh, crime fictions that are you know not based on gay characters or, or have them as the leads? Um, do they write any differently? Um, I mean, I, this is the thing. I think that if you can, that's 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 the main basis of it. If you can write, because at the end of the day, it's about relationships more than anything like that. And a lot of the time, you know, I always try to see. Um, the relationship itself almost as a separate character you know as just as you can say what is Blake like as a character what is Harrison like as a character um, what is their relationship like is it a funny relationship is it is it an angry relationship is it a, you know is it, you know it's it's about the relationship rather than the people that are in it and how that relationship works between these two people um, and which is how a lot of straight if you know relationships are written and it should be how a lot of gay relationships are written. It should, you know, it doesn't matter what what gender these people are. It's about the relationship between them. Do you, do you find that you're kind of put in a category then, being having to go into LGBT? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, like I say, you know, when you've got people writing reviews saying, "Well, the mystery was good, but where, you know, but where's the cock?" 
you know, it sort of <laughs> takes away from what kind of takes away from what you're trying to do. You know, um, I, you know, and people come to you for that, and that's absolutely fine. You know, uh, if people kind of come come along for that, and then sort of get on board with what I've done, then fantastic. If it's if there's not enough sex in it for them, then that's absolutely fine. But I'm not gonna, I'm not the sort of person that really would write, you know, graphic sex scenes in a story that doesn't warrant it. You know, I'm not afraid of writing a graphic sex scene, but it's that would be purely plot-driven as opposed to it's been six pages since I saw a bare chest. I need to get one in here. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, and and I think that 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 brings to a point. But I think that that um, in itself is a problem with being in in the gay crime fiction section. I think isn't that because people are expecting it then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, I think it's 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 been my experience. Um, but I think now, you know, now I'm I'm this far into the series. I think people ex- know what they're going to get from you know, and how they know what you know. And I get people are saying that you know, there's not a love, not enough love between Blake and Harrison, and I'm kind of you know, and I, you sort of you take that on board. You know, you, I think you always have to listen to what your reviewers are saying, um, just to some extent, but. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's never going to be anything that I do, particularly in this series. You know, on another series, maybe, but I, you know, in this series, it's not something that particularly uh, grasps my interest. Particularly, you could always do, you could always do X-rated versions of the same books. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could. Um, you know, if I could, if I could bring me more money, then maybe I will one day. You know, Blake, Blake After Dark might be, a, might be a series that's coming your way soon. People. Yeah, Blake, where does he go at night? <laughs> well, and who wins? Yeah, he's always disappears at at midnight. And what exactly happens to Betty the goat in that time? You know, there's, there's <laughs> possibilities. Are, possibilities are endless. Oh boy! And what does he like? Okay. <laughs> well, this is exciting. So, uh, now, do you have a website and stuff for people could go and find you and uh, find out? I, I have a Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Uh, if you type in uh, Robert Innes, uh, I think it's Robert Innes author. It's been a long time since I've uh, had to advertise it to anybody. Hang on a minute. I'm just typing on my phone. Uh, yes, if you type in Robert Innes uh, it, in groups, it will be the first thing that comes up in my phone anyway. <laughs> but um, with a little logo that says Robert Innes with a, with a man silhouetted behind it. Uh, and, yeah, that's the page for people to follow for all the latest uh, Blake Hart news. I'm also on Twitter at Rob Innes 87 So please follow. That's very sweet of you to say. I'm actually 93. Wow. But, um, Don't look a day yeah. over 60. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, that's amazing. I hope that doll gets you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dog will get the doll first, hopefully. <laughs> so that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you've taken some time to talk to us and stuff like that. And, um, no problem. It's been, it's been lovely. What, so, just before, so what's your daily process just just checking out what you do with yourself now are you writing full-time so that's all you do uh yeah um so well yeah supposedly uh you know i I tried try to be writing whenever i can if i'm not doing the the blake stories i'm also i'm also trying to kind of break out into the script writing world um so it kind of it, it, it it there's plenty going on in terms of writing and all that sort of thing but it's always just the stuff that gets seen yeah. is always the difficult stuff to make appear but yeah the the blake Hart stories will be there in the background for a while to come yeah i hope 
Okay. Well, we're going to have you um, posted on our website and, and, and your books and stuff like that. So people listening, if they need to find Fantastic. it, they can just go right to it. Um, uh, well, it's certainly been interesting. And um, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk to us about thank you. your books and your writing and all that stuff. Our guest has been Robert Innes. Thank you. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.